like the worst history student ever. I'm just like sitting here. I'm like, this is a good lesson. Drink a lot of bourbon. You'll live to 91. Welcome to the Whiskey Topic. My name is Mark Bylock. And I'm Jamie Johnson. And today we're talking about Pappy Van Winkle whiskey. But so welcome back from Panama. What was the whiskey situation there? I'm curious to know. Yeah, Jamie, uh, Panama was interesting. They, um, they have whiskey in Panama. I don't even know if they make whiskey. I feel like this wasn't a whiskey-related trip, so I didn't do a lot of research um, on the alcohol aspect of it. But uh, very few places had whiskey. And most of the beer there is pretty cheap. Uh, wine is expensive. Whiskey is relatively pricey. So my, my favorite whiskey um, of the Panama trip, the one that I'm going to really remember whiskey when I relate to Panama, is going to be Talisker 10. Interesting. Yeah, I was at this uh, barbecue place called Humo. Humo. Humo? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Sure. Uh, H-U-M-O. A uh, really delicious barbecue place in Panama City. And, and um, they, they had bourbon and they had whiskey. And I was really, for a single malt scotch, rather. And so they had bourbon, uh, but they specifically had a lot of single malt scotch. So I really was like, oh, this is great. I actually get to have scotch. I, I ordered a Talisker 10 and I absolutely loved it. I, I would have scored it a 99 out of 100 if I was scoring it. It was my first whiskey in four days. Um, I've been drinking pretty, like I've had a, couple of bad beers like very light beers not the kind of beers i normally drink so i wasn't really drinking i just had like a beer here a beer there and i'm like oh this is so much flavor it was delicious so talisker 10 is going to be my uh scotch for panama city it's what we, we talked about the last show about memories and drinking whiskey so that's going to be my memory every time i have talisker 10 i'm going to remember that barbecue place in panama city that had fantastic barbecue and also just had whiskey, had single malt scotch. That's so funny. I have a bottle of Talisker 10, so, you know, if you want to relive the moment, I also can make a mean pulled pork. So it'll be just like Panama here down at the lake. <laughs> now that sounds like an excellent invite. Really, I, that would be lovely. That's, that's going to be my <laughs> pairing now. Pulled pork, some ribs, and some Talisker 10. Uh, that worked out really well. And, you know, the, the other thing you'll, you'll find amusing is Panamanians um, smoke their foods. So there were smoky di- So you figured barbecue would be a stretch for Panama, but it's not. They actually have smoked foods. Uh, one restaurant I went to, they were literally like, now three quarters of our food is going to be smoked. Is that okay? You were like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Could you throw my cocktail in there too? Just, just put it all in the smoker. <laughs> Exactly. As you can, just get it in there. (laughs) Exactly. Just, just give us more smoke. So I, I was, I really wanted that. So I was like, this is great. And then I had some. I'm like, this isn't quite smoky. It's a little smoky. It's nice. But now, you know, when, when, uh, when smokiness comes with the warning level, I'm expecting, you know, 150 parts per million here, and I got like 20 parts per million. I was like, hmm. You're like, come on, step up the smoke game. Like you can't say smoked and then give me like less than you know a peated scotch flavor here like we need we need extra smoke yeah and it makes goes back to the point of like people really don't like smoky stuff because i feel like they you know they knew we weren't from panama obviously so they felt they needed to warn us and ask us if that was okay so i get the impression that a few tourists came through and had their food and were like oh no it's smoked i want to you know i don't like this I don't know. I don't really experience a lot of this, but it goes back to that point of like scotch being smoked works against it because people don't necessarily like smoked things. So interesting. So like when you say it was smoked, like was it was the meat that was smoked and everything was smoked? No. Yeah, no, no. This was, you know what? This is a different restaurant. So this, the barbecue restaurant did have smoked food, uh, smoked ribs and, um, and smoked lamb. So, but like very, very lightly smoked. But the, in, in a smoker, like in a traditional barbecue right. smoker. But the, um, but the restaurant specifically that gave us the warning was uh, called uh, Don de Jose. Mm-hmm. And it was a seven or eight course tasting menu. And that wasn't a barbecue place. It was just a, you know, here's Panamanian food and we'll give you eight different courses that tell the story of Panama. Really great restaurant. Loved, you know, it was a very small restaurant, seated 16 people. And he smoked 
little things like the little jus on the side, uh, the like the sauces on the side. Okay. Some of some of the meats were slightly smoked, but it was usually the stuff on the side that was smoked. And I found that in a couple of other restaurants as well. They had uh, had like a tuna tartare type thing with a chip and they had a soy sauce that was condensed and smoked in little droplets so you you would like mix everything together and you would just get those hints of smokiness from the uh from this condensed uh soy sauce smoked soy sauce uh, real really lovely really nice it's a very it's a i don't actually know what grain what they used to smoke but it's a it's a milder uh milder uh, smokiness very interesting and so you were in panama when the the pappies got released you must have panicked like overseas being like nobody take my bottles i i only um i only knew that it uh it arrived because uh because you had you and trent had posted that you guys got a bottle and i'm like wait they're released already and then when i came back i got the voicemail message saying your pappy is here um please pick it up sooner rather than later this week would be best Or else what? Or else what? You've already paid for the bottle. It's your bottle. You have purchased it. And they gave you, they actually, on the thing, it gave you, I guess we should back up a little bit about how this whole situation worked. But what I'm going to say about that before we back up and explain what the whole procedure was is that how, if you've already paid for the bottle and they've given you, they said to pick it up within four weeks of, of your voicemail. How can you say pick it up sooner rather than later, or else what? Well, are you gonna drink it, sir? I I, I don't know. It was good. it was it was interesting. The the way that he the way the the, the manager store manager left the message was he said that and he goes well I guess you can wait longer but please pick it up this week. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like I had to pick it up this week, but he was strongly encouraging me to pick it up this week. It's a very, very strange thing to say. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's taking up too much room in his office or something like that, <laughs> I guess. But at the end of the day, it, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to say. I, I mean, so I guess we should fill people in on what it takes to get your hands on a Pappy Van Winkle in Toronto, in Ontario. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wrote an article about this, and uh, we we t- briefly talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Jamie, do you want to uh, go through that experience for us? Sure. Um, so, if you wanted a chance to fill out an order form to be part of the lottery to get your hands on uh, a couple different uh, of the Van Winkle uh, releases. Um, you had to go to a dinner that the LCBO hosted. It was 125 bucks a person. It was a good dinner, like you said last week. It was, it was fine. Um, cool venue. Um, tickets sold out in five minutes um, because everybody, I think, wanted to get their hands on some of this stuff. Uh, and it was neat. They had a, we talked about this last week, they had one of the master distillers there. And so, um, we filled out our little order forms and um, within uh, two days, like it was really quick. I thought it was going to take much longer. Uh, we had an allocation notice that we had, uh, me and Trent, my husband, had each gotten a bottle of the old Rip Van Winkle 10, the Van Winkle 12, and we between he got the Pappy 15. Um, and then you had to wait for it to come into the store and then the store calls to say that the order is in and then you have to go pick it up and it's a whole rigmarole so it was it was like there was like five steps to it or so it was um slightly stressful but i guess less stressful than waiting in line yeah, I, th- I think so. Uh, so I you guys, so. you guys got five bottles between the two of you then in total. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, you know, <laughs> so, and you ordered. Did you order all four, or did you order just like? Three? I did not. I did not even put an order in for that thirteen rye because it was. If we would have gotten one, which I don't think we would have, it would have been. It would have blown apart my whiskey budget for the year. But at, at the same time. And I think you mentioned this in your article. There was a discussion on your Facebook. It almost encourages you to... If I would have known that we would have both got our orders, I would have only ordered one 
of each. Like, I don't need all five bottles. Yeah. I mean, any collector would tell me differently, but I open bottles and I drink them, and I like having bottles in the collection. Imagine we'd both gotten a 15. We'd be on the hook for six bottles. But but tournament. you know I would have taken one off your hands because I yes I do because I, I, I didn't do. I didn't get a I didn't get a fifteen I didn't get the rye um, I ordered one of each and I got the two so the two that 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 I got that I got yeah they also got those were were available basically there was one for almost everybody at the event they had a hundred of each there was about a hundred people at the event so you were gonna get the uh, old Rip Van Winkle ten year old the almost barrel proof whiskey and then the Van Winkle 12-year-old, you were going to get those two, but then the 15 reserve and the family reserve, uh, sorry, the, yeah, the 15-year-old um, and then the family reserve ride, those were limited to 20 each. Uh, and the prices ranged between 90 to 80, $180. So it was expensive, but it wasn't black market, you know, no. afterwards expensive, um, you know. And then, of course, it depends where you value $125 for the dinner, um, whether you put that in as an enjoyable date night out or whether right. you put that in the category of I just paid this just for the chance of getting uh, pappy. And at my table, it was definitely the latter. Those were Everybody at my table was restaurant owners. They you know came there with like their girlfriends or wives or people that were part of the restaurant and they all put in orders just so they can get the pappy Van Winkle for their restaurant. Right, right. And uh, I'm curious to know how... They did. I think I emailed a couple people just to see what they got, and now I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but I know one of the restaurant guys that I talked to had managed to snag a rye, a 13-year-old rye. So, And that was sort of the one that there was the, the least of, mm-hmm. as far as I know. Um, yeah, but I didn't actually mind the process. I think I would rather that than waiting around the block in the middle of March to to get my hands on one. I, I yeah. 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 I think so. I, I, I agree with that. I think it's not, you know, it's it, it makes an interesting, you know, I mean, it makes for an interesting story. It's it's better than having to befriend store owners. You take kind of the bias out of it, which I think for the LCBO being governed owned, that's that's their goal is to remove the bias out of it and give you give everybody a fair chance to get it. Yeah, yeah, and it worked out in like we were pretty excited to get one of those fifteens, and we opened it. Somebody was like, "Are you going to sell it?" And I was like, "Are you crazy? I'm gonna <laughs> open." I'm gonna open it and celebrate. I, I know I'll. I might never get another bottle of this in my entire life because it's it's rare. So I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm not gonna look at it and and it's it's there for whiskey's there for the drinking. So absolutely, <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I I've already opened it. I opened it on Friday as soon as I got it. <laughs> so I just got back today and I only, I just opened, I, I haven't even actually poured it out. I just peeled off the top of the bottle. It's very exciting. They're, they're beautiful. Bo- I mean, they're really nice looking bottles. They're a nice addition to the collection and it's really fun to open them. Yeah. So, Which one are you opening right now? Uh, so I'm going to start, I'm, I think I'm going to start with a 12 year old lot B because just mm. lower alcohol, right? So it's 45% uh, 0.2. Mm-hmm. So, and I also, I mean, we need to, um, because I get corrected on this on Twitter all the time. Um, the Pappy, when we say Pappy, we only mean the 15, the 20, and the 23-year-old are considered yeah. Pappy Van Winkles, whereas the ones that I have, what, that I'm going to be tasting today, the uh, 12-year-old and then the uh, Rip Van Winkle, Rip Old Van Winkle, those are Van Winkle bourbons, but they're not Pappy. This is correct. Yes, yes. Um... I also am pouring the 12. Um, this is my second or third pour from this bottle. We really got into it on Friday night, Trent and I. We, we were, <laughs> it, was a, it, was, it was one of those nights where you just want to try everything all over again. <laughs> oh, so, that sounds great. That, that's exactly, uh, you know, and opening up a bottle for the first time is a bit of a ritual. Um, I, I agree with you. I never want to, I'm not somebody that holds a whiskey around. I open it up and boom, it's, yeah. it's as, as soon as I get home, typically, um, uh, the next appropriate moment, I'll just uh, open up the bottle. But the, I, I do find, and there's, uh, do you find that whiskey changes the moment 
because I, I do find that the moment I open up the whiskey, it's not always the best on that first pour. I feel like, um, and I've read this other other whiskey people have said this as well. They they sometimes will open up the bottle and just open up the cork and let it breathe for ten minutes. Um, some people just pour it into the glass and let it rest there for a little while. Um, the feeling is that that first pour isn't necessarily the best the whiskey has in flavor. I would agree with that. Um, I poured out. Um... I'm stuttering here because I'm just looking at the bottle. Um, I poured out <laughs> um, on Friday the three different ones that I had just opened, and I let them rest a little bit um, just for that reason exactly. But it'll be interesting. Um, we only had one pour from the 15 mm-hmm. um, because I'm not – that's it. We had one pour, and that's going to be it for a little while. So I'll be really interested to see when the next special occasion rolls around uh, what that second – um, pour is going to be like how different it's going to be how much more if 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 at all um, it's opened up or sort of yeah anything like that so uh, I'll be really sort of interested the rest of them like this 12 I'm gonna this is like the third pour I've had from it mm-hmm. um, and the same with the 10 so I'll be able to answer that question so I'm gonna Sh- shortly I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna let this uh, 12 sit for a little bit before I taste it the, the nose is really really like pungently strong it's it's really nice the beautiful nose uh, so the history of van winkle in general is a bit odd um because it's gone through many different sellers and purchasers and it, it's just it's just such an odd history which maybe is part of the mystique of the drink it's so funny there's there's there is this mystique and there is this thing around it but there's also alternatively this pushback where people will refuse to say how how much how awesome it is or like that they actually like it and i don't know why like it's it's this thing. even i do it too where somebody's like oh have you had a Pappy van winkle and i have i've had the 15 i've had the 20 um i've never had the 23 and um people are like well is it everything is cracked up to be and i'm like well it's good but so it's a really interesting sort of mystique around it and whiskey people sort of have a weird opinion about it like it's good but it's it's not as good as people are going nuts over it but i'm desperate for a bottle but it's when i have it it's delicious and when i don't have a bottle it's okay and like i i it's, it was a very interesting conversation. Um, I've seen it happen over and over on Twitter. And there's it, no, no doubt about it. I think it's a great whiskey. The 15 is definitely one of my top fives. I would say even the 10 is also there in top five. I really like weeded bourbons. Um, I really like just how flavorful they are. And I find that, you know, with the wheat... Um, really lets that sort of oaky, all these really, it's, it's, the wheat is mellow enough to allow some of those flavors come out that maybe you wouldn't get in a different, uh, bourbon, like a a rye bourbon. This mystique that you talk about is really interesting. There's so many feelings about it. Yeah. I mean, I I think you nailed it. You, you nailed it on the head. The, I've had that same conversation. I've heard the same conversation where, and I think it's a problem where if you have, non-whiskey drinkers or casual super casual whiskey drinkers that might just have you know a bottle of whiskey in their in their cabinet they'll ask you about pappy and i've given the same answers you've given it's it's really hard to quantify the drink when it has so much media attention and is known so well and be like it's great um is it you know worthy of 65 percent of mainstream media's whiskey topics right like is it is it is it is it worth 90 percent of the whiskey attention it has for non-whiskey drinkers no it, it's not it's not you know it's not that that good but it is good and and where do we put that in the scale so i think that maybe that's why because I, I certainly do I, I think i find myself getting a little defensive with when i get asked about um about pappy because it's a topic that is has garnered so much media attention that it's almost impossible for it to live up to that hype um but yet it's certainly deserving of it i mean there's you know if you're able to achieve that it's great and it's it's a it's a good like bourbon i'm really looking forward to actually tasting the the 10 um 
uh, cast strength or nearly cast strength whiskey. Um, but uh, it, it does. It does. I 100% agree with you. It's that psychology of like, I have it. Yay, I have it. It's in my cabinet. I don't have it. Eh, it's not that great. I, I think you nailed it. Actually, Jamie, you, you, I'm just repeating what you said. You've, you absolutely nailed it. Like for me, I, I, I may never see this bottle again. Um, and I decided, and like my husband decided he's a big, um, bourbon guy too. And we just were like, let's just go for it and see, see if we can get our hands on it. Why not? It, I mean, at the end of the day, what did it cost us? We had a, a nice night out and which was fine and it was great. And even if we had only got four bottles without that 15, it still probably would have been like worth it for me because mm-hmm. they're great to add to the collection. And, um, I love that 10. I think you're going to love that 10. I don't know. I love the 10. I'm a big fan. It's my, it's like of the, the, I, I, I waver between saying that I'm enjoying the 10 slightly more than I enjoyed that 15. I don't know why. I know it's a very strange thing. We'll see what happens after when I get into like a second pour. But again, and we've talked about this before at any given moment in you know a day a week a month you could just taste something different or be drawn to something different and it can be so one day you can really you know dig talisker 10 and it's like everything you're all about all the time and then a week later you're like that stuff is garbage i'm really into you know writer's tears right now and so Again, like whenever somebody asks me what my favorite bourbon is, or like uh, it's such a hard, hard, hard question to answer. Yeah. Because ask me tomorrow, and I might give you a different answer. Yeah, I mean, and it's absolutely true. I've I've noticed that I um, at events I get asked that a lot, and I will probably give everybody a completely different answer to what my favorite uh, whiskey is. Mm -hmm. And I'll always, uh, you know, preface it with saying, "Well, you know, it's kind of hard to answer," and then I'll give them something different. Um, I guess it also gives me an opportunity to talk about different whiskeys as well. Mm-hmm. But I also, knowing what they know, I, I lean towards their direction because it's, uh, it's important to, you know, to, to know your audience. You know, so we should explain. Um, the one unique characteristic to uh, Van Winkle whiskey is that it's a weeded bourbon. Not uh, Most bourbons are made with rye. They're made with you know, 70%, give or take, corn, um, then there's usually, you know, 10% of the recipe is usually rye and then 10% is malted barley. Um, and then you may have heavier rye bourbon, such as bullet that will have more rye to it. The, uh, Van Winkle bourbons are weeded bourbons. So they, instead of the rye, they use wheat. So rye gives you spicier notes, gives you more kind of that edgy spiciness to it. Whereas wheat really mellows out that middle. And for me, it, it really comes towards that middle flavor. You start off the same. It starts off with very uh, thick, you know, very oaky start. The rye-heavy bourbons will have that spicy tinge to the middle and trail off, whereas a weeded bourbon will have more of that thickness and sweetness through the middle. And you might get some rye notes, some spicy notes, rather, on that uh, on a weeded bourbon, but that will come from the, the wood, not from the rye exactly yeah um have you tried that have you had a sip of the 12 yet i have um i um i i, I can't get over the nose i for me for me first of all that nose is so thick i mean i 100 percent agree with that and i it, i mean we've you know having um had 12 year old bourbons in general are pretty rare but they are not that rare you know, you know we've drank plenty plenty of 12 year old bourbons this is just thicker and woodier and oakier on the nose and on that first sip than yeah. any um, 12 year old uh, bourbon that I can think of uh, right now. I sort of the one thing I remember from Friday I noticed and this is a, changed slightly actually to today is there is not a long finish on that. I find it just sort of disappears sort of at the end. It is an oaky sort of big nose and I'm the doesn't come through in the in the palate for me as as big as it does in the nose 
Yeah, I, I, you know what? This one's really um, evolved for me over the last, uh, you know, five, ten minutes that we've been talking. It started out with that way, especially. I was like, oh, this is kind of, gets kind of flat towards through the, I mean, it's not a flat drink. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, it's a very thick, you know, yeah. flavorful drink. So, I, I mean, flatness, I mean, by comparison to that start, like it's such a very heavy, heavy start. Um, it started getting a little, a little too flat through the middle and then, um, and push out and then which push out just a little bit more flavor towards the finish. But after it's been open now for what, uh, 15, 10, 15 minutes, it's, I'm, I'm finding a little bit more of the, um, spiciness from the Oak. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting a longer finish on it now than I did five minutes ago or eight minutes ago. And I remember that's one thing I noticed when I first opened it on Friday, my first taste of this, it just, it totally disappeared for me completely mm-hmm. um, and had zero finish. And now as I'm tasting it again, there is more of a finish. It's, it's lasting a little longer. So, hey, I think we answered our own question from the beginning. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I, I mean, I, I will say that, you know, I never judge a whiskey by the first pour, or at least not after letting it sit for a little while. I agree. I agree. So, um, Jamie, let's talk about the history of Van Winkle and how... So, Pappy Van Winkle, the person on the bottle, on... Not all the bottles, on the cup... On the, on the, on the Pappy bottle, on the... On the... The Pappy Van Winkle... Is it Family Reserve? Yes, yeah. 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 That guy. The guy with the cigar. Pappy Van Winkle started as W.L. Weller. That was their main product. That was kind of like their bottom shelf bourbon product and it was a weeded was a weeded bourbon and they uh just before prohibition they started making the higher premium product that they called uh van winkle and this would be the equivalent of jim bean making jim bean the regular whiskey and now they make knobs creek or bookers this is the same idea they made van winkle bourbon that was also weeded but it was aged a little longer it was more of the premium casks and then prohibition hit and that was that. That was it for the Van Winkle uh, whiskey for a little while, at least. Yeah, Prohibition screwed a lot of things up. Yeah, yeah, Prohibition <laughs> did. Uh, so, uh, but after Prohibition, uh, Julian Caesar Senior, Julian Senior, opened up the Stitzer, Stitzel Weller Distillery in nineteen uh, thirty one. And Julian Senior is Pappy. Yes, that is Pappy. Yeah. That is the guy in the bottle. That's Pappy. That is Pappy. And he lived ninety-one year, lived to the age of ninety-one uh, till nineteen sixty-five, and the brand kind of came came back and forth. So Weller was definitely the big producer. They made um, that distillery itself made W. Weller, Old Fitzgerald, Rebel Yell, Cabin Still, and occasionally they would release uh, the Van Winkle uh, brand of bourbon. But it never really. Uh, it was always a very rare small batch release. I guess is the best way to put it. What I'm taking away from this is that if you want to live till 91, you should probably drink a lot of bourbon. I, I believe that. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that is my uh, rule to life. I'm like the worst history student ever. I'm just like sitting here. I'm like, this is a good lesson. <laughs> a lot of bourbon. You'll live to 91. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, yeah. so I think things kind of went downhill for them um, as after sort of prohibition, the whiskey industry was pretty sad. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of demand for um, higher-end bourbon at the time. Um, it just, you know, bourbon went through a really dark period as far as there just wasn't a lot of good whiskey. There was a lot of cheap whiskey being made. And basically, in 1972, uh, Pappy's son, Julian, Julian Jr., sold the Stitzel Weller Distillery, uh, as well as the rights to all the brand ex- brands except for Old Rip Van Winkle. That was the only name he kept for himself. So essentially, the distillery was sold... Um, he, uh, the son of Pappy kept one brand, which is what it's known as today. So if you look at the bottle, it'll say it was made by the old Van Winkle distillery. Now there is no such a distillery. There is by us law. You can call yourself a distillery and not have a distillery. Correct. But the, and then he later on in life started making old Rip Van Winkle whiskey and he would either use, um, he would purchase barrels from Stitzer Wello, uh, from their from their stock. He would uh, get bottles from other things. We don't really know, and then that's that's the big thing. You don't they don't need to tell you where they get their whiskey from, and we don't really know. Uh, we do know a little bit, but it's really hard to get the specifics. 
Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm sort of looking at a, a little article here. Um, they were buying stuff from Wild Turkey. Yeah, but I think the stuff that they bought from Wild Turkey was originally, was a barrel that was originally came from the Weller Distillery, I think. It's so confusing. Oh, no, sorry. I'm wrong. It was originally acquired by the distillery called Old Boone. So, sorry. I was wrong. Uh, they bought <laughs> some of the uh, bottles, according to uh, Julian III. Um, he purchased a barrel from Wild Turkey, which actually was distilled at Old Boone, a distillery that now no longer exists. And the, I think the other interesting thing is, so if you do the math, um, the last Weller stock the last of the distillery closed the distillery itself closed down in 2002 um it eventually um became purchased by buffalo trace and it's i believe now up and running again it's not the same one it's not the same it's, one right it's not the same yeah it's different and it's causing a big uproar um so it's not stitzel weller that everybody knows and loves from the van winkle days it's like a refurbished sort of idea okay yeah yeah it's not it's not the same i'm not going to say any more than that because i don't want to get people upset but i do know that the stitzer well stitzel weller of the old days is not the stitzel weller of today and i think that's where we should leave it until we look into this a little further no that's fair that's fair (laughs) that's a good point yeah so we know uh, we know the distiller closed in 2002 and apparently what happened is when the distiller closed in 2002 the van winkle family bought up a bunch of barrels um for themselves and they weren't the only ones other you know when the distillery closes this is a big deal and a lot of very smart people decided hey we're gonna buy the last of the barrels that were made in this distillery and the Van Winkle family is most famous to, was most famously did so, and they started to release um, rare rare releases. But we know that you know just by simple math, the twenty three year old uh, Van Winkle uh, whiskey would have could not have contained anything from Weller after two thousand fourteen two thousand fifteen, depending on bottling times and length Correct. of time. Um, but there's also rumor that even that you know pre two thousand fourteen fifteen. Uh, 23-year-old Van Winkle didn't just contain whiskey from Weller. It also contained whiskey from other sources, probably from Buffalo Trace. So it was a blend of distilleries. Um, It's not a straight bourbon. It doesn't have to come from one distillery. There's no requirement for that. So it's really, you know, they don't have to specify on the bottle where it came from. So there's a lot of mystery. Again, it goes back to this whole mystery and hype, and uh, we don't really know what, what, what it comes to. But we know how to taste like. And this is why if you don't like all this unknown, it's okay. We go back to the flavor. Well, what does it really mean, and how does it, what does it taste? If you love the history, because I, I personally do. I think this is great. You want to experience, and I get an idea of where is this whiskey coming from, trying to figure out that this whole mysterious, legendary sort of, um, sort of renowned uh, – you know, renowned status that this whiskey has. Yeah, it, it it's really fascinating. And I have to read a little bit more about it because there is so much misinformation, which is why I sort of I I'm always nervous about talking about something that I haven't done an extensive amount of reading on because there's been so much back and forth in the bourbon community about the Stitzelweiler distillery, the new Stitzelweiler, uh, what juice is in, you know, the 15, the 20, the 23, whether any of that Stitzelweiler or what, whether, you know, there's people that are throwing Stitzelweiler, like uh, Diageo, when they released the Orphan Barrel series, claimed that they got some of those, the stuff that's in their bottles from Stitzelweiler, and it turned out that it, it wasn't. So people got upset because the the name Stitzel Weller is a very sort of precious. It's like the holy grail for bourbon enthusiasts, and people are throwing that 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 distillery name around um, and using it when to sort of because it's got so much mystique and because it's so um, important in bourbon history. Uh, and, and people are getting irritated because they're sort of tweaking. They're using it as like a marketing tool to say, you know, as soon as you say the word Stitzel Weller and you put it next to your bourbon, people are they're They're going to go and double check that you're yeah. act. This is what you're you're talking about, because it, it, it gets thrown around a lot. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and I'm always sort of like wary about committing to 
an exact history without like reading all of it. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. We we um, that's a great point. It's a lot of people see a lot of different things. Some of it's written down, some of it's not written down, and it's just you you hear stories and you don't really know uh, where the truth is. So that that mystery is definitely there. Um, I think the for me the. Uh, for me, it doesn't matter too much. Um, you know, even being a whiskey purist, it doesn't matter too much because ultimately it comes down to who's putting their name on the bottle and who's making that whiskey and what, how you feel about that whiskey. So, you know, if the 23 year old, uh, Pappy, you know, wasn't all well or, or wasn't, you know, we don't know. Um, if you're enjoying it, that's what matters. It matters. You know, the story is only part of the whiskey that the actual story, um, is only part of the whiskey you know i and i think the whole idea is you know you're not going to necessarily you know we talked about uh weller wl weller 12 being you know the poor man's pappy you're you know it is got similar flavor but you're not necessarily going to find something it's certainly not similar to the uh 12 year old uh that i just had it's you know this is way thicker the the van winkle 12 year old is so much thicker and has so much more flavor the profile is similar you've got kind of that weeded middle and you know a little bit of woody spice towards the end it's it's a very similar kind of profile but it's just such a bolder story that that whiskey tells yeah i agree i agree and it makes you there's you know there's a handful of weeded bourbons out on you know on the market um not a whole whole lot of them um and it makes you sort of wonder what could happen like when i think about weeded bourbons um the first one i think of is maker's mark um and i've had all i've had i mean they're regular they're 46 and they're cast strength um and it just makes me sort of wish that that maker's mark just just aged it a little like slightly because you can see what what age does to a weeded bourbon it really gives it some life and it really makes it just like you said thick and oaky and I would love to see you know makers do something a little extra Mm mm-hmm you know, even just a regular, I mean, it's not going to happen now at this point because we're struggling as it is to keep up with demand. So it's not like Maker's Mark is all of a sudden going to say, I mean, unless they're already, they've got barrels that are waiting, they're not going to all of a sudden say, well, now our regular recipe, we're going to age it for an extra year or two. But I think it would make a huge difference. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think they, you know, they, they would be silly not to be planning a 12-year-old release of uh, Maker's They've Mark. They've got to, right? Yeah. Like, it's, I'm not crazy. They've no, got to no. have something stashed away because this weeded stuff that that is aged is just so wonderful. It's just so good. So, I mean, it would be a shame if they weren't. So, I hope you're listening, Maker's Mark, because I have a barrel waiting at Maker's Mark with my name on it. That's right. And by the time I get there, I, I really, I'd like to buy a bunch of your different products, so... Yeah, you, you too can have a barrel. All you have to do is uh, fill out a form online, and they will, they will basically yeah. mark your barrel. Yeah, you know, I yeah. poured out the Old Rip Van Winkle, the ten-year-old cast strength. Now I say nearly cast strength because they do say that they add a touch of water, so it's bottled at, uh, it's bottled at fifty-three point five percent. They on the website, so we know it's at least <laughs> the website's very, very genuine. At least you can you know that they say that they they're pretty much doing it. Um, they said that they add a touch of water to it. Um, Kentucky, you know, mineral-rich water, so they're not just adding tap water, uh, but they're uh, they're adding a little bit of water to it. Uh, but it is it is a you know it is a very a high-proof whiskey, um, and and the nose is really great. I mean, uh, comparing it to the twelve, the this yeah. uh, the ten-year-old cast strength-ish whiskey is just bringing out so many. Like if you get anything from cinnamon, vanilla, yeah. you get caramels, caramels, sweetness. And, I get some sweetness off that nose, yeah, and you get a little bit of a. Now this is present in the in the twelve year old uh, as well. You get a little bit of that kind of sour end to it. Um, mm-hmm. You get a little bit of kind of like that something different about it as well. And I did I did pour myself a Maker's Mark forty six just as a nose comparison and and not even uh, no question. I mean this is a completely different drink. Uh, the uh, Maker's Mark forty six also being a weeded bourbon, but it's not giving you that same thickness and interesting character that you get from the um, from the old Rip Van Winkle. I mean, that age, man, Mm -hmm. even it in those barrels, like that just makes, that's it. That's the stuff. What do you think of that 10? 
Uh, this is really great. Um, this is really interesting. It's starts off. Um, it starts off a little, maybe softer is not the right word. So it's a little lower in flavor, and then just kind of room. It just accelerates into a whole range of flavors. So you're not going to get that. You don't even get that thick woodiness. Um, because it's probably because of that higher alcohol content, but um, it just brings you a lot of character through the middle and the finish. And it's a really nice long finish. Really nice long finish. Yes. I'm a big fan of this Old Red Van Winkle. Now, when you talk about the Kentucky Chew, this is a whiskey you can chew. Yes, it is. 100%. Yeah. Now, the, um, you do get a lot of... Um, the, the big indication it's a high-proof whiskey is the nail polish on the notes, right? You'll get that kind of nail polish mm-hmm. notes um, on it. The You do get a lot of soft flavors it's a long soft finish it's a very long finish it's very uh very nice it's a very nice whiskey i love this 10 and i love this bottle uh it's a beautiful beautiful bottle it looks great like it's just yeah i love this bottle and and this whiskey uh is settling down since giving you softer and softer notes the more you drink it and just gives you depth and softness um it really changes as you have it, which is great. This is tasting a little closer to kind of that Weller profile. It's a little bit closer to it as far as that softness. It's not as thick on oak, um, but I mean, then it's got all, all this alcohol, so it's it's loaded loaded with punchiness. But it yeah. it's a very subtle. It's and, and all things considered, considering it's a nearly cast strength whiskey, it's pretty subtle. I enjoy. Um... When we talk about structure and maybe, I mean, when I think about a whiskey structure, I really like the way this one is structured. That's, it's, it's the, what appeals to me. Like, uh, sort of a easy at the beginning, sort of a big, big, bold middle, and then a nice long finish. And that is sort of what appeals to me. Mm-hmm. And that, that's exactly what this does for me. This is, this is a great... This is a great bourbon. I really love this. I'm actually really happy that I got two bottles of this. Yeah, no, that that's amazing because it does have that finish. Um, it gets a little sour. It gets very acidic at points, mm-hmm. uh, and it just sits there, and it, there's no bitterness. I, I dislike um, on a finish when you get a lot of bitter flavors. Uh, it just seems to not work well with the rest of the whiskey. Like you said, the structure of the whiskey. This one just has that long depth of flavor. Yeah. Like, it's not finishing. I've, I haven't had a drink in yeah. two minutes. I'm still tasting it. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what a great finish. Yep. I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of that. And actually, they're um, even in the mainstream media. So it, I've seen Pappy in two movies now. In <laughs> um, the internship with Vince Vaughn. I think it's called an internship. With Vince Vaughn and um, Owen Wilson, mm-hmm. where they go and they're interns at Google. Oh, they, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Okay, so they they order a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle at a bar, which is insane because nobody does that because <laughs> it would be a jillion dollars. And then in Crazy Stupid Love, now this was the only part of Crazy Stupid Love that I was like, psh. <laughs> Brian Gosling uses Pappy Van Winkle to make old fashions. Oh. And I was like, this is the most unbelievable part of this movie. I, this is not nobody in the right. I mean, his character is supposed to be very wealthy. Sure. So I guess that's something. But I was completely unimpressed with that. I was like, this is not real life. That's just, this just, is not real life. Even if you're wealthy, that's just, that's just ridiculous. That's like buying a, like a Rolex watch and just smashing it because you, you wanted to see some char of gold. Like, that, that, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. And there, actually, there was um, a bar in Kentucky um, that was using Pappy to make jello shots, which actually some, a bar in Toronto mentioned that. Right. Is this something that would be I mean, for me, it's just, I couldn't, no, it's, it's a little gimmicky for me, but yeah. I mean, I hate gel. I hate shots in, but here I come, like now I'm an old man again. I'm, I hate shooters. <laughs> um, but, but, um, that to me is insane. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Well, you know, but I mean, to be fair, I, I do think you can get pappy in Kentucky at a bar 
if you're there at the right time. Because when I was there last year, I was at a, I think it's called the Old Crow, and they just happened to have a flight of Pappy Van Winkle tastings. And if I remember correctly, we spent like 20 or $25, maybe $28. It was not more than 30 bucks for what? a flight of three. You got to choose your three, and they had all the... They had all of them. They had the 10, they had the ride, they had the 13, they had the, the, the 15, the 20, the 23. And there were six of us, so we all just ordered, you know, we just ordered some so that we could taste them all. And it right. just, boom. I think they had some sort of conference that was coming in that weekend. We happened to be there, and they were going to use this as a draw to get people into the restaurant. So they were pouring Pappy. They're just like, whatever. And it was affordable. It was really affordable. Well, and I mean, I, I think that's a good thing about Kentucky is that when you have a place that has it, it, it tends to be relatively affordable. Um, the 23 is still really hard to get at an affordable price, I found. Yeah, I'm the sure. The other I'm ones, sure. like the 15 and the 20, seem to be cool, and everyone's like super chill about those two. But the 23, I think because there's so little of it, it's, it's probably the smallest release. Probably, mm-hmm. I say that probably because I don't I actually can't confirm that. But and, and nobody I'm knows. Assu- yeah, I'm assuming they have the fewer bottles of the 23. Just when you think about what actually happens after 23 years to a barrel of bourbon, there's probably not a hell of a lot left in there when they open it back up. So mm-hmm. they're charging a pretty, pretty huge. I've seen shot. I've seen like shots, like a one ounce pour of the Pappy 23 go for 80 bucks. Mm, wow yeah so so that just is a little sort of yeah that's an insight into but um hard water in san francisco also does a pappy flight Mm -hmm. um and it was not it was not 28 (laughs) dollars i think it was like a pretty penny um but i mean that was one of the best whiskey bars i've ever been to and i think you know if you look at all the whiskeys um and jamie would you agree i I, i've heard a lot of this this is certainly uh what i think is that 15 year old uh pappy van winkle seems to be the sweet spots for a sweet spot for most whiskey enthusiasts i I found the 20 year old a little too oaky i found that Mm -hmm. a lot of the flavor i enjoyed in the 15 that i'm currently enjoying in this uh in this 10 year old uh van winkle i found that the 15 was a really just great point of the whiskey where that lot of flavor um but it wasn't drowned out by the wood then you get to a 20 23 year old whiskey that's a lot of oak flavor that's just a lot of oakiness and at that point you know no matter what the recipe is all the bourbon's going to start tasting the same because it's you know already so much flavor comes from that wood uh when you age a whiskey for that long it's just there's not going to be much left of the grain so whether it's a weeded whiskey or a rye heavy whiskey or whatever, it's not going to really matter as much at those age age ranges. Yeah, most of the people that I've I've talked to that are, are whiskey lovers uh, cite the fifteen to be sort of that balance, that really nicely balanced, that flavorful oak forward without being over oaked, and that sort of yeah, I would a hundred percent agree. It was, and it of the fifteen and the and the twenty that I've had, I really, really, really preferred the fifteen. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think the you know we talked a lot about the technical aspects and how you know the Van Winkle distilleries and really distillery and how it moved around a lot from different distilleries and how the original distillery has long since closed. The second distillery was closed down and you know being reopened, but in a different location. Um, but the Getting away from that technical aspect of it, the idea behind the brand and the name and what it brings to you as a drinker is there. Um, It doesn't really matter where you get the whiskey from necessarily because it's important to get good quality whiskey that's been aged well in oak. And so it doesn't really matter where it was made as long as that flavor comes through. And I think the Van Winkle family, um, and you know, again, there's a lot of lot of mystery behind a lot of this, but. What the fan, what the Van Winkle brand gives to you is just a high quality whiskey. That's a weeded bourbon that has a focus on very bold but balanced flavors. And comparing it to other drinks in this age group, where you may have like the Stag um, or the Eagle Rare Seventeen, you know these are drinks in that same age area. 
they might be bolder at the start. They might have not as focused on the finish. They, they make a strong statement. All these whiskeys make a strong statement. I think the Van Winkle statement, though, the name behind the distillery, what the statement they're making is they're looking for balanced, really well-rounded drinks, and they're sourcing really good barrels of whiskey. So I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, the mystery is there for a reason, but it's, it translates into the flavor. The quality control is there. Yeah, yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. I think that um, because of what's happening with the marketing and the mystique of it, uh, might actually be doing harm to it within the whiskey community. And not like whiskey people know good stuff, um, but to sort of like shirk it because it's popular i think is also we should mention not uh, a good the idea. the old uh, the poor man's pappy uh which you know is, is made which is typically wl weller and wl weller is the uh is a weeded bourbon and and as we mentioned wl weller was really the original distillery that made pappy um and they you know eventually got pur- purchased by buffalo trace and now buffalo trace owns wl weller as a name and so they release uh, whiskey by that brand, and they have a 12-year-old, they have a cast strength, they have the 107, and there's the poor man's prappy is essentially mixing different variants of W.L. Weller to give you a very pappy-like flavor, because it's it's, a, it's identical, it's the exact same recipe as, let's say, the 15 or the 12 or the 10, it's an identical recipe. Now, it's really, you know, two ways of looking at this, some people say, well, Weller is really just the reject barrels that didn't make it to pappy. I don't think it's a good way of looking at Weller, I think Weller is a great drink on its own. The, yeah, no, it's, it's a delicious drink, it, let's, let's face it, they make a ton more weller than they do make pappy so you could say you know you could say uh, you know i don't even know what the numbers are nobody really knows but let's say one percent of that that mash bill goes to van winkle and then 99 percent goes to weller um numbers are different because they buffalo trace releases more than just one weeded bourbon but the idea being is that the way to look at this is not that weller's reject pappy it's look at as weller's its own individual product that has a flavor and a point of view, and that then the Van Winkle name, the Pappies and the 10 and the 12, etc., these are the super extra premium barrels of whiskey that have been aging just right. You know, we talk about where the barrels are located, whether how much of that, uh, how quickly they age, how much evaporation you get depends on where they're located in the warehouse. And so really those Pappy Van Winkles are just higher end, very exclusively beautiful barrels of whiskey that they bottle under that brand. And, you know, Buffalo Trace does the the distilling, does the barrel aging, and, uh, you know, Buffalo Trace also releases a lot of great products in that age group. We mentioned Stag, there's Eagle Rare 17, uh, you know, a bunch of different, uh, the Buffalo, the entire Buffalo Trace antique collection really is whiskey that's been typically been aged for a very long time at very premium spots. So you have a lot of options in this premium market from Buffalo Trace. And Van Winkle is one brand uh, within that range that has a unique history and a little unique viewpoint because they're not owned by Buffalo Trace. They just essentially contract Buffalo Trace out to make their whiskey. So thank you for listening. My name is Mark Bylock, and you can reach me at Mark Bylock on Twitter. That's M-A-R-K-B-Y-L-O-K. And I'm Jamie, and you can get me at Bourbon Thing.